Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the San Francisco Giants podcast from McCoveyChronicles.com on SB Nation. I'm Brian Murphy, contributor at McCovey Chronicles. Uh, I'm Doug Brizzoni. I write about the Giants on my Substack, GiantsDoug.substack.com. And we've got a special guest on the show this week, don't we? That's right, Doug. It's the managing editor of McCovey Chronicles, Brady Klopfer. Brady, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're pulling you away from the NLCS right now. Or basketball, right? Because you're like a big yeah. basketball guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think I saw you tweeting about Anthony Davis bricking threes or something. So oh, yeah. sorry you're missing that. Oh, you know, it's <laughs> you really just pulled me away from being a hater is really what it is. If, if you didn't, you know, catch the total excitement in my voice there when I confirmed that I'm a basketball guy, it's, uh, yeah, you know, start of the season and whatnot, it's. It's too much. There's too much sports, is my opinion. I say that as a sports lover. There, there's too much sports, you guys. It's, well, it's the one thing much. for you to be excited about is you don't cover the Kings. That is very true. <laughs> and in fact, I cover the team that is likely to destroy the Kings in about two and a half hours. So um, my yeah. life is at least at least pretty decent on that front. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm privileged, at least. If the Giants yeah. can't be good, at least the, the Warriors can be very good. Definitely fun. I, I always just like checking in on them very randomly and usually walk away very entertained. So, <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about the Giants, which is a far less fun value proposition there. <laughs> so, uh, so, we're watching the end of the postseason here, the uh, National League Championship Series. And uh, I don't know how have the playoffs been going for you as a rooting interest on a rooting interest level. I mean, the Dodgers lost, so great. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's truly my only investment ever in the playoffs unless the Giants are in it is did the Dodgers lose yes or no they lost they lost in a fashion that created so many um columns and takes that baseball is broken because the Dodgers didn't win the World Series and that was just I consumed all of them like it was water and I was in the middle of the desert. Just just give me all of the people complaining that the 110 or however many win Dodgers didn't win the World Series and therefore baseball is just canceled. It's great. So yeah, I've been loving this postseason. And if the if the Phillies keep beating the Padres, that'll be kind of the cherry on the top here. So it, it's been a good postseason, I think. I feel like those articles disappeared immediately the second the Yankees advanced. Yes, <laughs> they, yes. they did. Yeah, because the, the premise of those articles is just baseball has to have this the, the best team advance. And then suddenly the Yankees are like, oh, I guess it's not impossible for a good team to win. I, <laughs> I guess you just have to play well, too. Baseball isn't actually stacked against the best teams. It's not designed to make the good teams lose. It's difficult to not sound weird during the postseason being a Giants fan because the Giants have experienced essentially every, you know, everything that all the other teams experience, including, oh, wow, the Giants had like an amazing historic season and then poof, it's over and, and no one cares. Everyone moves on very quickly. <laughs> so the idea that, oh, you won that many games and what, it doesn't matter. Just it was fun chiming in with being like, that's right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> can confirm it's also just weird to me how how like whiny people get about the need for sports to be like fair 
And first off, I don't know why like a playoff series is inherently less fair than a regular season, but like the idea that you know so many people are coming through with like eliminate the postseason or just have like one team from the AL and one team from the NL, so you have the best team. And it's like the goal. When has the goal in sports ever to be to create a boring but perfectly equitable product? Because that's just that's not how it is in any sport. There's a reason. Like I don't know. I'm I'm going down a rabbit hole here. It's, <laughs> it's very it's very stupid to me. It seems like only. I mean, the NBA is where it definitely feels like most like an overwhelming amount of the time the the higher seed wins yes. or you know the the better team wins and that's usually because they're playing seven game series all the time but to me that's kind of why the nba playoffs for me as someone who doesn't watch every nba game or pay that much attention that is what kind of makes it boring yeah and there is something about the nl or the baseball playoffs where the element of chaos is uh is appreciated a little bit just a little bit yeah i mean it seems like because, you know, basketball and football are the most popular sports and football a little bit less. But in basketball, the better team wins most of the time in the playoffs. But the better, time, better team also wins most of the time in the regular season. You know, yes, th- there has never been a, a, a baseball equivalent of a 73 win season. Um, right. Baseball is just a higher variant sport. Yeah. Like if you if you switch to a seven or even like an 11 game series, you're still going to have the worst team win a lot of the times. It's just, it's just yeah, how I mean, the sport goes. The Dodgers went one and five against the Pirates this year. It happens. Yeah. The Giants swept the Pirates. I mean, the Dodgers at one point. Imagine if they met in the playoffs. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm imagining that. That's fun. (laughs) Don't don't imagine it too hard. It's it's probably depressing. Uh, I mean, but I mean, the Dodgers won 111 games. That that's impressive because the regular season is difficult, and they basically made it not look difficult or look not difficult at all. And then you look at. You know, to go with the whining, the Astros won 106 games, right? And they're doing great. So <laughs> it is bizarre, the, the whole arguing thing. I mean, I'm happy. I just want to shift real quick to this. The rooting interest thing, I'm now at the point where I don't care if it's the Phillies or the Padres, only because of this. I figured this out with the Padres, Doug. Because Brady, right before he came on, we were like, are the Phillies going to Philly or the Padres going to Padre? And right now, where there's some tension here in the ninth inning as we're watching, but definitely the Padres are Padresing, and um, for for rooting it for the team, the Giants that banked on the Padres doing the Padres thing, but in September, you know, it's like we have to expect them to do it. But I'm also like rooting for Bob Melvin. I really like you, Darvish. And and is that enough? No, but it's like <laughs> you know when I think about it, I'm like I can. There's things about the Padres I can like. You know, it's not all just hating on Will Myers. And Josh you know what, Hader. <laughs> you know what I like about the Padres is, and this is like a very, this isn't even a compliment about the Padres, but the the rooting interest I have in them is the one negative about the Dodgers losing is that they have spent so much money to get the best players. And every data point that like proves that maybe that's not necessarily what you need to do to win increases the chances that the Giants don't spend lots of money to get really good players. And the Padres have also spent a lot of money, and they've also traded a bunch of prospects to get Juan Soto. And if that formula proves successful, I feel like it increases the odds that the Giants are willing to do that instead of continuing to pretend that they are a small market team that needs to win with the Tampa Bay Rays style. So there is that element of me that's like, you know what? Let these teams that are spending the money trading the prospects win so that the Giants feel pressure that they have to do the same because that's what I want them to do selfishly. I like that idea, but you just walked right into my trap. So. <laughs> Perfect. We'll pretend well, that, that was on purpose. You don't hire Far Anxiety to uh, import the Dodgers model. You hire him to import the A's model. This is true. This is Well, I have like 10 seconds of being excited there, Brian. <laughs> well, the, the Phillies just won the uh the pennant there and i just wanted to point out that we're talking about their their 
spending big, but Trent Grisham did in fact bunt two yeah. runs over with one out. So, <laughs> so they did indeed Padres oh. instead of the Phillies Philliesing. Wow. So, yeah, that was something. That was uh, an unexpected Padresing. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to happen like that. <laughs> and not like, from Trent Grisham. Ugh. Like I, like I, I thought if Trent Grisham was going to Padres at all, he was going to like rope a double into the right center field gap, but then fall down and just not get up <laughs> and get thrown out at first. You just combined like two of Trent Grisham's most prime plays that people know him for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Ah, alas. Okay, so um, ding dong, the Padres are gone. But, you know, the Phillies still kind of back up your same point, you know. Uh, Harper and Harper and uh, Wheeler and trading for Real uh, Mudo. And, and extending him. They're paying him a lot him. now. Yeah, yeah. So even Castellanos. team that's done that. Castellanos. Castellanos, who hasn't been good this year, but part of the philosophy, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, they they gave, yeah, they gave Schwarber a nice big deal, too, so – Definitely in there, but yeah, you definitely walked right into my trap. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's, you know, I like Foreign Zaidi. I think he's great. I like what he's done to the organization. And, you know, I he definitely still has some secret sauce in there that he's finding some certain things. But man, I really hope somebody asks him, are you ever going to manage from the top since you can? Or is someone telling you you can't? But I guess we'll never know. So let's take it. Brady, I want to just boil down this 81 and 81 season. I can't remember what Doug and I said, but what would you, what's the <laughs> one word you would describe, uh, use to describe the Giants season since you sat through it all? I kind of flip flopped <laughs> on a few words here. And it was very, you know, blogger of me to do so because all of the words were kind of just synonyms for each other. And I was having like a semantic debate with myself as to, to which one really embodied the season. Um, I think lackluster is ultimately what I ended up at. It is just, it was just a very lackluster season. It was like, it, it wasn't bad enough to be interesting. The team wasn't bad enough to make you like root for losses or even chaos. But outside of like that first month, they were never good enough for you to ever really entertain the idea that they were going to make any noise this year. And then even like through the trade deadline, just, basically nothing happening, which I was totally fine with. I, I thought that they did, you know, the small moves they made were really, really good, I think, but they were small moves. And yeah, it was just, it was just a stale season there. They, they didn't go anywhere good. They didn't go anywhere bad. They just, they just kind of mailed it in and, and went through the motions and decided, eh, whatever, we'll try again next year. I think stale is an even better word. Stale so is a kind better of, word. You kind yeah. of gave two words, and I'll I'll take the second one. Perfect. So, I like that. It's that like you revised it. <laughs> you did something a blogger rarely gets to do: revise their posts. So. Yeah, I'm taking advantage <laughs> of the medium here. But the bigger news is that the Texas Rangers have hired former Giants manager Bruce Bochy, who certainly headed to the Hall of Fame. I hope now in a Giants cap, but what if he wins on his three-year deal, three World Series with the Rangers? So, what? What? Do, I want hot takes. I just or just takes. You know, Bruce Bochy is back. I'm threatening to call him Dusty Baker for some reason, <laughs> but he's managing tech. He's managing in Texas a team that has had like six consecutive losing seasons and is sort of spinning out of control. I feel um, like this. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Doug. I, the thing that people forget about Bruce Bochy, because we saw it, if you're on, if you're on Twitter, the day that this was announced, you saw this like cavalcade of people, at least I did, who were like, well, why didn't the Giants do that? Of course, the Giants have to have Kapler. Oh, the Giants after that season, they're sticking with Kapler over Bochy. Well, I want to point out that uh, Bruce Bochy has managed teams in tailspins before, and it hasn't gone well. His last three years, the Giants were just a perpetual tailspin. And they never pulled out of it. No, so I didn't. mean, from a Giants perspective, I think it's he had his time here. It's great. I'm thrilled he was here. But it, if he wants to manage, I think it's better for the team and for him if it's somewhere else because that it wasn't going well. Hold on, did people actually think that the Giants yes. should have yes. brought him back? Yes. Like people, after, like after this season, they were like Gabe Kapler, he's done. We yes. need Bruce Bochy yes. back. Yes. 
real <laughs> hu- real human people. I can't this. promise that. But, <laughs> I didn't see them do it. But yeah, I saw a lot of it. What a uh, Kaiser Soze move, though. If Bruce Bochy's <laughs> been feigning ignorance of technology, but he has a bot farm for working for it. <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's astounding. That's that's the opposite of stale. That's <laughs> I can't believe people would actually think that. Did people not watch, pay attention to Bruce Bochy managing the last couple of years? I, I think they didn't. Yeah, honestly, honestly I think that they just saw. The Giants being so lackluster and stale this year. And they thought, (laughs) hey, why not go with the guy who was here when we won a bunch of times? And he was here when when we won a bunch of times. He was also here when we lost a bunch of times. So he came in and had to basically just wait a few years for them to get good. (laughs) Then he didn't screw that up. That was basically the thing he did well. Oh, but this, this, hold on. Everybody who thinks Bruce Bochy should have come back and gave Kapler as a bum or something like that. Let's, if it's unclear to people, I'm going to make it clear. I think it's clear to both of you, but just in case it isn't, the Giants would have been worse than 81 and 81 if Gabe Kapler hadn't been the manager this year. Yeah, I agree. Yes. He has them ready to play every game. What's my evidence of that? Well, there are certainly several games this year, unlike last year, where they were just completely out of it. But in the games that were close, still close, they were playing the, the final out. I'm pretty the ones that I watched, which was most of them, and last year it was a lot of them. Uh, was that they were ready to play and play hard all the way to the end? Um, I think that's a credit to the manager. I really do because you've got to have the people playing where they're just not taking it easy. So it's not a matter of fear because I don't think Gabe Kapler is a motivator by fear kind of guy, unless there are players who are like, oh god, he's about to give me a speech. I don't know. <laughs> what anything to avoid a conversation? I don't know. But I have so many words. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> they've got their phone open to the, the, the source app open there. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's just nothing that that would indicate that he doesn't do anything less than try to make every player feel like they're a part of the team in the moment. And uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's a it's a credit to him that they they did actually wind up being eighty one and eighty one. And it's pretty impressive to be able to make every player feel motivated and like they matter when you use 66 freaking players. Right. It'd be funny if like you, if you got Gabe Kepler like that, the final week of the season, like he's cleaning out his locker and you did like a, what is it? Sporkle? (laughs) Like name everyone. Everyone on your roster this year. I need to see that. I'm giving him, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now I would not expect him to. Yeah, so Bruce Bucci going to the Rangers, I think that's going to be interesting. Chris Young, who's the the very Chris Young, the very tall pitcher. So I think most baseball fans our age, they're like, there are two Chris Youngs, right? Yes. This is the very, very tall one. I think he was six ten or is yeah. six ten. That's almost Sean Jelly height. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um it'd be funny, Sean Jelly's patting him on the head. Uh, they, <laughs> they they are attempting to be even more modern analytics bent. And so hiring Bruce Bochy to me sort of stands out as like, how's that going to work? But also at the same time, you would like to think that someone in Chris Young's position is hiring a guy where they have some understanding of what's going on. But I, I do wonder, do you think that, that there is sort of, um, I'm going to only, I'm going to Vinny Castilla this part of being a manager, no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they had that conversation where he was like, I'm just, no, I'm never going to do blank. I mean, my guess would be that Chris Young is hoping for kind of a merging of the two styles, the analytic and the mm-hmm. managing by feel. So, like, you took you look at the Giant, one of the Giants. <laughs> Giants had more than one flaw this year. One of the big ones was the bullpen. And I don't, as much as fans could have blamed Kapler, I think that the problem was that there were just not that many good relievers. Um, but if, But it's also true that there were probably times that Kapler did push the wrong button because he was doing it on analytics and not on feel. Or at least that's what it seems like. And so you bring in Bruce Bochy to do his Bochy magic with the bullpen. And you also kind of work with him on the on the other analytic stuff. Because one of the things about Bochy is that, and he was always a little bit prickly about being questioned on on not liking analytics. He was like, you know, we were the first teams to use a lot of shifts. Like people, people forget that. He would say that. I heard him say that more than once. Um, 
so it's not that he's not open to to using kind of advanced stats and all that. It's that he's not going to let that all define everything he does. Um, so I think the Rangers are banking on that, you know, those two philosophies being combined, hopefully into something greater than the whole. And I think also, like, with Bochi, as much as he gets that rep, like, he only had one season after Farhan Zaidi had been signed. And the Giants, you know, they were ahead of the curve on, like, a few, or not ahead, but, you know, slightly ahead of of the curve, curve on some small analytics things. But they didn't really have a a very big analytics department when it was Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans running the show. It wasn't like they were the Tampa Bay Rays with an old school manager. They were kind of an old school team until Farhan Zaidi came around. And I kind of get why Zaidi knowing that Bochi's days were numbered in San Francisco probably wasn't pushing super hard to have Bochi be going crazy on analytics in what was very clearly a rebuild year when they weren't going to win a lot of games anyway. So I'm kind of curious, honestly, to see how he does in Texas because I don't feel like we necessarily have as much evidence as people think that Bochi is anti-analytics so much as I don't think he's really ever just managed for a team that was all in on the analytics the way that every team should be. I really like that idea, that thought that, you know, Zaidi's like, this is, I'm coming into, I'm the third guy, essentially. You know, he's following Sabian, he's following Evans. He's like, this is not a relationship that's going to continue anyway. So how far can I push this? Exactly. I think that's, I think that's a great point. Um, I, along those lines and what you said about, well, let's see what happens here. It, it's not a little bit like Dusty Baker, but I f- do feel there are some similarities. You know, James Click over at, at Houston, you know, that would seem to be exactly what you're saying. That is like the Tampa Bay race. That is uh, cutting edge and, you know, using mm-hmm. data. And it is interesting to see how they've merged together. But you know what's really helped Dusty Baker as a manager is having like one of the best pitching staffs. So, I think if, how that helps. Yeah, I think if you give Dusty, or if you give uh, Bruce Bochy some better pitching, maybe it makes his job managing easier. But it is interesting for me uh, as a longtime Giants fan and Dusty lover. You know, Jeremy Pena for the Astros is doing very well in this postseason because late in the year, Dusty Baker's like, let's bat him second because then he'll see more fastballs. Doesn't that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) And it worked out. (laughs) Let's hit Rich Aurelia right in front of Barry Bonds. That's right. And so that seems like something, one of those things where, you know, he, Dusty Baker's like, I know that you want to put a hitter that's, you know, not identified as a great hitter in a position where he's going to get pitches he can hit well. And then the analytics guys are like, he really crushes fastballs. So if he has a chance to hit more fastballs, yeah, that's good. And that seems like it was probably one of those things that worked out only because I can't imagine that front offices are in 2022, 2023, giving total autonomy on lineups to their managers, no matter how venerated they are. Of course not. We saw Tommy LaStella bat lead off like 50 games this year. There's no <laughs> way any front office made that decision. Um, well, Tommy LaStella, that's going to probably be a whole podcast. I don't know. Unless they, trade him to the, unless they trade him to the Yankees, it'll be a celebration. Okay. So folks, folks look forward to that Tommy LaStella podcast. That's right. <laughs> 45 minutes of nothing but Listella content coming your way. Never be more excited for something. We're going to go through all five of his (laughs) at-bats. It's going to be, it's great. The other big news since uh, our hiatus began was uh, the Giants hired a new GM, Pete Patella from Patella. I'm saying it right. Okay. From, from the Houston Astros replacing Scott Harris. Maybe this time around, we'll find out what a Giants GM does. (laughs) Just because, yeah, I think a lot of reporters and fans were like, when the last guy, when Scott Harris left, everyone was like, wait, what did he do? And now maybe we'll ask a little more frequently. He's doing something though, right? He's not just there. And uh, right now it seems he's there because the Giants have identified that this um, minor league development season or last couple of years have not gone the way they wanted them to. And if there's nothing else Pete has a proven track record with, it's it just it's minor league development and he seems to be kind of a guru in that regard but i'm bringing him up because we don't really know a lot about him except for the fact that he was there when the houston astros designed and implemented a a, a cheating uh, system that the banging scheme 
<laughs> let's call it what the it is, the main scheme. scheme. And and you know, while that flourished and the team was successful, and the league went out of its way to say he wasn't even someone we talked to. But in the commissioner's note, the commissioner sort of went on a, a little bit of a rant for you know for whatever Rob Manfred could do that's considered a, a, a rant. But basically, you know, talking about the culture of the Astros and saying how terrible it was and how the culture also really did enable these kinds of ideas to flourish. And I can't help but think, well, this guy was not only a part of the culture, he was an, an integral part of that culture. And so the idea that, okay, he wasn't investigated for the cheating but he didn't have anything to do with say Brandon Taubman being an asshole or, you know, like the general treatment of employees and the view of what players actually are. It seems, it seems to strain credulity that he would become like, he's the cleanest guy of them all. Like far anxiety was like, I'll take the altar boy that you had in there, <laughs> but none of the bad ones. Um, and I'm just wondering what, what was your thoughts on the hiring? Let's, let's start with Brady. Um, I mean, just from the baseball standpoint, putting aside, sorry for the motorcycle that just decided to do a wheelie outside my window, apparently, if that came across the sound. Oh, I thought, I thought you were on your motorcycle and you're just doing the podcast from there. That would be the next level of, that. that is some new media stuff yeah. right there, I, I hope, one day. One, what wheelie are you motorcycle. using on that mic, Brady? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um yeah, so I feel like there's a lot to unpack with this hiring, honestly. And like, just from a baseball standpoint, putting everything else aside, I think it's a great hiring. Not that I know much about people working in other front offices outside of the GMs and whatnot, but um, it seems like everything that people have said about Patella, even before he was hired, um, are really, really good things. Um, so not just the window dressing of, oh, yeah, he got hired. Let's say some nice things. But um, he seems to be very well respected in that organization. And obviously, they have, the Astros have done great things development-wise with players. Uh, and obviously, the Giants, not so much. I kind of feel like Patella needs to send a gift basket to Hunter Bishop and Patrick Bailey because he's they're probably the reason he got hired. Um, Will Bednar, you know, those sorts of players. Um, so just from that perspective, I think it's a great hiring from the off the field stuff, you know, what you brought up with just the culture at Houston is concerning to me. Um, they've had so many just gross things that have happened in that organization. And I don't know, I don't know what the right way to handle that is because, you know, you can't assume that every single person who worked in the organization is complicit or actively participating in it. But how, how do you know the ones that are and the ones that aren't? And, why why even take that risk with a lot of them um the cheating stuff i'll be honest i don't care about it at all um for two very depressing reasons the first being that i have a very cynical view of these things and that i think that things like cheating and peds i think everyone in the sport wants to do them and it's just a matter of whether you think you can get away with it i think if the giants had a way of stealing signs that they thought they could get away with I think that Farhan Zaidi would be all for it. I think that Gabe Kapler would be all for it. I think that the players would be all for it. I just think that's how it works in sports. I think- Shout out to 1951. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it is what it is. The Astros did it and they got caught and that was stupid of them. And a lot of other teams were doing it and didn't got caught. And that was- Well, that's like, why I'm pissed. Yeah. They got caught and they kept doing it. Right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. You should be the, pissed at them. I just don't think that- yeah. like, that's what, necessarily involved in that choice, you know. Fair enough, but I—that's the whole reason why I'm still pissed at the Astros. I'm like, let me get this straight: baseball had them, and you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees or whatever, dead to rights. And then the the Astros just were like, okay, well, it's the, go ahead and try and enforce their own laws. You know what I mean? Yes, and they just kept doing true. it. And uh, and then on top of that, the commissioner still had his arm around Jeff Luno, saying like, so tell me more about gutting the minor leagues. How are we <laughs> going to do this? How much is it going to save? A thousand dollars? Great, let's do it. <laughs> Remind me again why we like the sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't. We right, 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 oh, right, right, that's right. it. Yes, that makes sense. Um, the only other thing I have to say on it, though, is that like, and again, this is very depressing. I'm sorry for being so cynical on a on a Sunday of all days. It's like you know we should we should be happy here. It's the weekend, but um, I for as good of a great of great yeah as great of a manager as I think Gabe Kapler is. And as much as I think he's done everything, almost everything right since coming to the organization, 
the decision to hire him after what happened with the Dodgers is fully indefensible to me still. Um, and, you know, the further we get removed from it, the less people remember about it. And I'll admit, I forget about it sometimes and probably don't bring it up as much as I should if I want to be fairly covering the team. But I just think that was, I think that was a gross and indefensible decision to hire Gabe Kapler after what happened with the Dodgers. And anything that Pete Patella was involved with with the Astros is, in my mind, so much smaller that I just have a hard time being upset about it. I mean, I guess you could take the view that it's like the cherry on top of the Sunday of hiring shady people when there are so many candidates that don't have these morality questions circling around them. Um, but ultimately being like a low level employee with organizational dysfunction and cheating is just pales so much in comparison to what surrounded Gabe Kapler when they hired him that I've had a hard time getting worked up. I'm just still worked up about Gabe Kapler, honestly. Well, that, that brings me to my question, which Doug, maybe you can answer first is, do you just think that every significant figure in baseball has some sort of taint or stink on them? And, you know, we know about the farm director of the Dodgers covering up sexual assault, you know, that we know that and we know, that the new now when we rephrase it in this context, right? So we know the farm director, Gabe Kepler, covered up a sexual assault, although he didn't totally cover it up. You know what I mean? It's just like there was a steps that were taken to just keep it internal. We know that Pipatello was there for all the Astros. So when I say it in that sense, yes, it does sound silly, but he was a part of a culture and rose through the ranks of a of a culture that was pointed out by Rob Manfred, one of the worst people <laughs> we know of, uh, saying like, no, they're bad. Like he took the time to point out that the Astros had a bad culture. Yes, they're they're in Congress. I, I like that point. But I, I guess my bigger question is, doesn't this maybe possibly suggest, because also far anxiety coming from the Dodgers, crimes.xls is a thing. <laughs> You know, the Braves have all their human rights violations, literally, with uh, with the with the international players. So that's why I'm saying, like, Doug, do you just think like everyone's got something, some skeleton? Because that's the cost of doing business. Uh, not everyone, no, but probably a greater percentage of successful people than the, the rest of them. Like, I don't know, maybe Dave Littlefield didn't have any skeletons in his closet at all, <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe he was like, we're going to do things the right way here in Pittsburgh, and then... He, that was terrible. And then the next Neil Huntington comes in. He's like, we are not going to do things the right way here in Pittsburgh. We are going <laughs> to cheat. We are going to bribe people. We are going to, anytime one of our top prospects does something he shouldn't do, we are going to, we're going to hire Ray Donovan to fix it. Um, I, Wait, did Ray Donovan ever run cover for a baseball team? That would be a great show or an episode. Uh, I, I don't know. I only saw the pilot. The Pittsburgh Pirates Fixer. Oh my God. Doug, write that show. Them. Yeah, I, I would watch the hell out of that idea, show. Man. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you, since you covered two sports, that's going to lead us into our next topic here. But Brady, to, to ask you the same question, I mean, you cover in depth two sports and the NBA kind of more nakedly. There's a lot of shenanigans that we know about. Do you think that there is some truth to this possibility? I'm, it's a theory. I'm not going to test it. So it's a theory. So. <laughs> that's good. Um, um about there just being like, if you raise up to a certain high enough level, you, you've got your hands in something. Yeah, I, I, I think absolutely. I mean, I think I'm sure there are a few good people along the way, but I think, you know, you're reaching a position of power, you're reaching a position of money, um, and you clearly have to be a cutthroat, deeply competitive person to get there. Um, and, and that's just the culture in both powerful businesses at that level and in sports um there's dysfunction there's immorality there's uh, you know a green light to get where you're trying to go at the expense of anyone else so i do think that most yeah most people probably fit into that but i also think i don't know how to word this it's just because you can know that it's happening at most places and with most people 
I don't think at all defends the decision to hire the people where it's on display because it's like the, the bad part of hiring Gabe Kapler isn't the fact that you're giving another job opportunity to someone who was kind of complicit in covering up sexual assault. That's not the negative side of hiring. The negative side of hiring Gabe Kapler is that you're telling your fan base that you value winning an extra game or two over doing the right thing and not being a shady, gross human being. That, to me, is is the real negative. So, yeah, I do think that that it is probably a rampant issue, and I still think that organizations should not hire people where that's just, like, dripping off of them and sending a clear signal to your fan base, and particularly, like, you know, the young, easily influenced members of that fan base who are looking up to these people. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll get off my high horse, but that's those are my slightly incoherent thoughts on that. I think that was well put. That was well said. I think it's tricky when it's... Uh, the thing that makes it trickier is we know who owns the Giants, and I think that yes. has some some bearing on... You know, it starts at the top. I'm a very big believer in that. And yeah, I, I totally agree. For for a couple of wins, what do you what do you actually gain? And uh, it seems sometimes like very little. Um, the other part of this that only we can talk about now, I think this is a good transition point. <laughs> We're all bloggers here, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and so I wanted to talk because we didn't really, you and I, Brady, have any conversation from one to the other. I mean, I was just gone and then no one was doing anything with the site. And then you came in and you were already doing a site. You're already doing a warrior state of mind or golden state of mind um, for SB nation. And I, I don't know, Doug, you've got, you, you were doing the McCovey Chronicles and now you're doing your Substack. And I don't know, let's, let's do some blog talk here. That's all. Uh, what's it been like managing uh, two major websites for two crown jewel franchises? exhausting is definitely the first word that uh comes to mind for me um just because the baseball season is too long and the basketball season is too long um and so it's just a non-stop you know there was one there was one week this year where there were not regular season or playoff games that the warriors and giants were involved in um which was you know two weeks ago and i spent it getting having the flu which was great fun um it's not but, what you want. No, not exactly. But my body, I think, realized like, all right, this is your one week out of the year where you don't have to do quite as much. So let's let's take advantage and just reset or something. Um, but, you know, that element notwithstanding, um, I think it's it's fun. It's fun covering teams that are popular and that have very engaged fan bases. And I think the Giants and the Warriors both have really, really, really good fan bases. They have fan bases that are really invested in the teams, fan bases that despite all the horrible hot takes that I have to deal with, that I'm sure you guys have to deal with, fan bases that are pretty darn intelligent most of the time. Um, if we can just eliminate the KNBR callers from the from the fan base, which is, you know, a large chunk of them, admittedly. But uh, it's an engaged and informed and invested fan base um, for both of those teams. And to me, that's just a lot of fun because I, I kind of, I've never really liked the newspaper model of writing something where you're kind of talking at someone rather than talking to or talking with them. And I think the fun, the fun part about modern media and, and blogging in particular is it feels a little bit more connected. There's, it's easier to get feedback. It's easier to, you know, you have commenting systems and and platforms and whatnot where you can actually have a conversation. And if even when people aren't necessarily talking to you or responding to you, it makes it so that your, your writing can become a little bit more, I don't want to say necessarily conversational because that kind of implies that you're just not writing well, but, but something along the way. Hey lines. now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like conversational in the way where it's, you know, you're, it's still creative and interesting and well-written, but it's designed less to be like, Hey, I'm the columnist in the suit and tie sitting at the arena telling you what you should think about this team. Uh, and instead 
a little bit more personal, I guess. I hope it comes through that I am blogging usually without pants on. I, I just, <laughs> Me too, man. Me yes. too. <laughs> I want this to have the feel of a person not wearing pants. That's just to be clear, I'm always wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> See, there we go. You get it all with us. You get you know, a little bit of everything. <laughs> Doug, you essentially don't have a corporate overlord or a Brady uh, lighting a fire <laughs> under you. That's so true. how are you self-starting and, and pushing? Um, the, you know, you, you occasionally, for me, like it's occasionally hard to think of something to write about. But um, I remember one time when you were running McGovern Chronicles and we would we would like very, very slightly professionalize it a little bit more, like, mm-hmm. you know, 3% more. We're like, <laughs> well, we're going to pitch our articles at the start of the week and then we'll schedule them. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I tried that. And I remember one week I had nothing. I was like, oh, you know, it'd be fun is, uh, is Nick Hunley is hitting cleanup. That's kind of a bad decision. So I, wrote, <laughs> so I pitched an article called like, do the Giants know that Nick Hunley had a... 278 on base percentage last year or whatever it was something around 278. So I start writing the article on Monday night and I get 200 words in and I'm like, well, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pad this out or else it's going to be like pathetic looking, but I'm done. I've said everything I have to say. This is a very bad idea and no one is awake right now for me to say, can I do something else? <laughs> so, I mean, not having that is really nice. Where I can like, all right, let me go with something that's kind of interesting to me, where I know I can actually have something worth my reader's time. For me, that was the fun of the Bruce Bochy announcement, by the way, was coming was tweeting about these are the potential lineups the Rangers can expect. And just being able to type in Benji Molina as the cleanup right. hitter was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was just fun for me. Um, and also the center fielder leading off and the second baseman hitting second because that's what it's in the name. What you do. That's, that's what, <laughs> Brett Pellet first base. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Also, Marcus Semyon would be a great number two hitter, probably. So that's not, not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a result of I think our content requirements are different, Brady. Yes. <laughs> so I had to I had to basically ask, you know, if, if even if there weren't ideas that were usable or someone only had ha- half an idea say about Nick Hunley. <laughs> you know, sometimes it would be enough to make me think, okay, think in this area or like come up with ideas as well. And sometimes then I could say, okay, that gave me this idea, but I definitely don't have time to write that. Can someone else write it? So that was why it was helpful because um, it was, it, it, the team was not very good either. <laughs> so that was the other part uh, where, you know, at least last year and this year, there were maybe a lot of positives that you could, start from. I think that's maybe a trickier part about blogging too. I think there is a, a version where it's more if the team is supposed to be good and is and is disappointing, you maybe have an edge to it. But when it's something like stale like this year, it seems like it was tricky. But we also had last year to kind of bounce it off of. And um, I think when they're just in the doldrums of 17, 18, 19, you don't really have a lot to go on. Like, what was it? 2018, they had the worst September ever. Yeah, they did. So, so that was my first year. <laughs> it's like they're just incredibly bad. They're just incredibly bad. Hey, they're just really bad. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I I like this new model. I got to say, Brady. So I appreciate uh, coming on board, and and it's a lot easier to come in without having to also manage the entire site. I think that's the other part. You have to kind of do from foundation to chimney top essentially when you're running the site right down to the look of it at least that i did and um you know you have to moderate comments sometimes yes that's that's uh doug just only allows the highest praise on his that's right yeah that's a smart way to do it (laughs) yeah i have nothing but sycophants reading me if you would like to also be a sycophant come, come check it out Instead of the um, the little code it does to make sure you're not a robot, you have to scroll through uh, some superlatives, that, <laughs> and then you have to select one of those, and then you can proceed with your post. So, and, and uh, there's also some sublim- there's also some subliminal messaging in there to make sure that you start to really believe it. <laughs> I don't want anyone getting around this system. Doug, the cult leader. Yeah, that's, that's right. All right, let's go into our let's end here on some off season predictions. Um, I blocked five or 10 minutes. We're not going to do five or 10 minutes, but uh, maybe this might spur a little bit of a, of a discussion. I mean, I just want to throw it out there. Do you, let's get percentages. 
percentage chance of signing Aaron Judge? Let's start with Doug. Uh, if the Republicans take back the House, <laughs> then Charles Johnson will be so happy that it'll rise to like 45%. <laughs> He'll be happy given another $150 million. He won't care. Brady, have you heard have you heard our theory? No. Is the it just Giants that? can the Giants can spend off cycle. See, that so, makes sense. So this year technically last year they technically could have, but they, they kind of didn't. And then this year they, they can't because it's it's right. the well actually they can because it'll be the election will be over by the time free agency kicks in. So I had it reverse. Sorry. <laughs> See, that makes a lot of sense. That I, I I would buy this. I mean it doesn't make sense in the sense that it should be be a thing, but it makes sense in the sense that I, it probably is a thing. Yeah. Uh, so what do you have at percentage wise, Brady? I know you don't like doing this. This is not your style of blogging, but this oh, no, is, I do like it. Honestly, okay. I just like, I don't, I don't make enough time for this style of stuff. Cause I actually do love it. Um, I think I'm going to be optimistic here. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to say 50%. See, that was where my head was pulling me to, but I think it's like 25%. That's probably I think, more realistic. I think the Yankees aren't really going to let him go. You know what I mean? And I don't see what the value in him leaving would be if that was the case. Yeah. And that, that's, so that to me, that's just kind of it. And then the tax situation seems real enough coupled with that first reason to be like, okay, I, I mean, if the if the number is actually right, if the Yankees do actually want him and make it increase their offer, I think they just keep him. See, that's where my fifty percent is. Is that to me, this comes down to the Yankees entirely. I think I think that Aaron Judge will either resign with the Yankees or he'll go to the Giants, and I think that the I think he probably would like to play for either team, and that the deciding factor will be do the Yankees actually pay him what he's worth? And I'm just weirdly pessimistic or optimistic, I guess is the case maybe that they won't. Um, and it feels weird to say that because I'm still so used to the Yankees being the, you know, quote unquote evil empire that pays out for everyone. They have gotten so cheap, so pathetically indefensibly cheap. And they have to know that it would be a PR disaster to let him go. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that they care about that. And I, I think that there is a decent chance that they just put a limit that's not all that much above the low ball offer that they gave him over the last offseason and that the Giants just have a better offer. And I think if they have this, if the Giants and Yankees have a similar offer, I think he absolutely stays with the Yankees. And I'm just not fully convinced that the Yankees will not be idiots. All right. Do you have another hot offseason prediction? that you want to throw out there and you don't have to commit on the podcast. You're not writing it down. So you never have to blog about this. You can deny it. Yeah. This is great. Um, yeah, I have a few, namely, I think even if they don't get judge, I think they're going to make a big move. I think Farhan Zaidi's end of season press conference in which he essentially said that they should, they're at the point where they should be in the postseason every year and not being in the postseason is a failure. That, to me, signaled that they're kind of over the whole rebuild, run it back thing and understand now that there's a little bit of urgency, this team doesn't work and they need to do something to get back on track immediately, not down the road. So I think they're going to make a splash, whether it's with Judge or someone else. Um, and, and my other prediction is that I think we're going to see them finally start to move away a little bit from some of the familiarity of the players that they've kind of built around since society took over. I think we're going to see popular players get cut. I think we're going to see players who have been a staple of the team for the last few years get traded. Maybe um, I don't think we're going to look at a team that, you know, on opening day has Austin Slater and Mike Yastrzemski and Lamont Wade jr. Um, and so on and so forth. I think, I think there's going to be more turnover than, than fans expect. Doug? Uh, I think they're going to come in second on Trey Turner. <laughs> you think they're going to go it. after him? Oh, because they've mentioned that. that they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they've mentioned that they are. Um, my offseason prediction is 
<laughs> Man, I really wish Charles Johnson would be indicted. That, that was what I as I put as a note in the rundown, but <laughs> oh man, I I my prediction is that there's going to be a change in the coaching staff in some way, whether that's Donnie Ecker returning or someone leaving. Only because I say this. You can never have enough coaches, as the Giants have told us, <laughs> shown us. And you would think by having, you know, triple redundancies or whatever, that you would look at uh, a roster that fundamentally was like fundamentally unsound, like the players could not fundamentally play baseball. And a lot of the time, it seems like it, I think they're they're good at not being reactionary uh, in terms of like, oh, that was a that was a screw up. So we're getting rid of you. But they didn't have WOTUS this year. So that seemed to be an important change in, in perspective. And so I wonder if there's not going to be another change in the coaching staff in some way. Um, oh yeah, that's, that's the, that's the sad one I have. I I wish I had the Trey Turner one, but they're definitely going, who, who would it be? Carlos Correa would be the other one. I think I, I heard his name floated out. Definitely. That is definitely a come in second. And yeah, his offer, their oh, offer yeah. gets used to get more money elsewhere. Yeah, because Carlos Correa will 100% sign with any team that offers him the most money. It is yeah. just going to be about the number that gets reported out. Taxes don't matter. Net doesn't matter. Structure, mm-hmm. you know, they'll structure it for him to make more or whatever. Doesn't matter. Biggest number to make him look good. Um, that's what he wants. So the Which Giants, you know, yeah. Well, the one thing about Aaron Judge not like if he if it becomes a bid like the Yankees at least let it get that far where he's like out on the market, you know we do have the possibility of there being stories about him rebuffing the Dodgers. <laughs> oh God, that would be amazing. That would be better than them signing him, <laughs> <laughs> only because the the uh, the sub thing for me with the undercurrent of the Judge stuff is. He's not going to make like, oh, okay, he'll add three or four wins to the team, but they're going to lose like four wins. So it's, you know, I mean, it's like not going to be a net improvement. Um, I really, my other prediction, oh, you know what? This is my hope diction. Predict hope. My wish (laughs) is that they, yeah, is that they just re sign Carlos Rudon. Please. Um, I, I'm told, I've already said this on the last podcast. I am actually very confident that they could find another Alex Cobb who, by the way, and I wrote about this earlier, it was like Alex Cobb had a really great year. It's yeah. kind of people aren't really thinking about that, but he didn't pitch quite enough innings. He didn't pitch enough innings to qualify, but he was like more valuable than Joe Musgrove, Garrett Cole and Julio Urias. And my God, we heard about all three of those guys all year. And certainly they have they had a lot of more standout moments. But in the aggregate value wise for the innings he pitched by just Fangraphs war more valuable. You know, it was one of the top starting pitchers in baseball easily. So, and you know, he, the Giants didn't just remake him. He was already making those changes last year, but I definitely think they can find, you know, another Discofani, another Alex Wood to come in there and supplement, but wouldn't it just be easier to also have Carlos Rodon fronting your rotation? I feel like Giants fans really took Carlos Rodon for granted this year. Like I think the disappointment of the season allowed people to overlook just how, absurd his season was like Giants fans are used to really good pitching Carlos Rodon had the best regular season that a Giants pitcher has had since Tim Lincecum was winning Cy Youngs like yeah he he was notably better than the best season Madison Bumgarner has had just without the playoff excitement obviously and like I just feel like it went under the radar a little bit because the team was so disappointing and because he got caned a little bit and they didn't actually do all that well in the games he pitched but like he was so good this year. He should, like, at worst, he should finish third in Cy Young voting and probably should finish second. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Go ahead. Yeah, man. I mean, the, that's one of the things that the fans aren't going to quite embrace you the way they should when the team's only 16 and 15 in your starts. Yeah. Which is an indictment of the offense. Like, Radon was phenomenal. The offense was not, the bullpen was not. But it's just one of those things if you don't win the way that you want to see the wins then that's one of the things the fans are going to kind of notice, I think. Offense, defense, and the bullpen, you know, not being able to find bridge guys. And yes, with your ace, you don't want him to just be five and out, but he's he's striking out two an inning. 
<laughs> you can't you do those got, on you, one pitch. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be ready. You never know. So it's just bizarre that they that the Giants couldn't quite make all their personnel puzzle pieces fit. And now there's there's like fans are kind of Alex Cobb, Doug to that point, completely blown out by his own defense, let down by his own defense the whole year. Yes, hundred yeah, percent. And so fans just go, "Oh, he's not very good," or whatever. His ERA is this or that, and it's like, no, that <laughs> they couldn't catch the ball. Uh, so yeah, but having him on the team and Aaron Judge or you know whatever it winds up being that that can only make them better. And um, yeah, I get it. The injury concerns, those are all very relevant. I would hope that rather than just say like, we're not even going to bother to struggle. You know, the Giants seem like they've too often in the last few years have been like, we're not even going to bother. We're not even going to bother to make uh, Kevin Gossman an offer. We didn't even bother to go after Manny Machado. You know, just those types of things. Where it's just like, no, we're just not even going to do it. Seems like um, if you're really trying to make your team better, you would explore every option instead of just every 4A player. You can also, <laughs> I feel like you should be targeting players who maybe have some injury history, because it's going to suppress his value a little bit. And they are fitting into that Dodgers mold of having way more than five starting pitchers. And it's like, if, you bring, if, you, if your only starting pitcher move is to bring back Carlos Rodon, you have your set rotation of Rodon, Webb, Cobb, Wood, DiScofani. And then you have Sean Jelly, you have Jacob Junis, if... They bring him back in arbitration. And you have Kyle Harrison, who is probably going to be in the majors by early June. It's like, if Rodon gets injured, so what? You put Kyle Harrison in the rotation, you get a little bit worse, but you can withstand an injury. So why not go for the great players that are injured if it suppresses their, their you know the cost of their contract a little bit, and you can pick up the pieces if you need to? Absolutely. And you already have injury risks in Cobb, Wood, and Discofani. And we saw them all this year and it, it still worked, right? Like they still had a great rotation despite those guys getting injured. Like why not more? Just and you, you want to just let the guy who provides the strikeout value that your, your entire pitching staff desperately needs. You just want to let him walk strikeouts being the coin of the realm. And you're like, nah, we're fine. The one it's good thing bizarre. that you did this year. <laughs> just seems so bizarre but anyway what hasn't been bizarre has been this conversation brady thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> a plus transition oh wow time. quite generous uh where can uh wh- what do you what do you want people to follow you or, or read you besides mccovey chronicles uh well if you're into other sports golden state of mind is is where all my basketball coverage is if you want to see what the more successful uh bay area team is since the Giants and seemingly neither the 49ers are doing all that much. So who is the Giants equivalent of Draymond Green? Oh God. I'll, I'll make it simpler for you. Who could have pulled off that green suit he wore on opening night? Oh, I feel like both well, Brandon Belt could pull off literally any outfit just because if it doesn't look good, it's funny and in an endearing way like, you can still look at his face yes. exactly like brandon belt any could pull off literally any outfit and you'll either be like hey this is great because you look great or hey this is great because it's absolutely hilarious this bit that you're still doing um so him or i think carlos Rodon. honestly like i feel like carlos Rodon could pull off a wild suit and just look cool i mean i'm just thinking of that sultry um photo shoot he did with his what was it? His cats like a few years ago. Carlos Rodon. I didn't miss that. Oh God. I, I, will. I was going to say the parallels makes more sense though, that it's he and Draymond because he also hit a hit teammate. There you go. <laughs> All the punching. <laughs> Just with the bat. <laughs> you know, what's the difference between a fist and a bat at the end of the day, right? I don't know. Science can answer that question pretty, pretty simply. I would think <laughs> so. I mean, if it's the broken end of a bat, that's a completely different story, but yes, that is very true. <laughs> Uh, Doug, give, give the people what they want to hear. Uh, <laughs> you, people love promos. Everyone knows it. Uh, you can find me at giantsdoug.substack.com. I write twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, about the Giants or about whatever's going on in baseball. Great content, two days a week. Find it at my Substack. And we will be back with one more special episode this month. I'm just going to announce it. 
Doug and I have done the first and only ever bullpen awards show for the 2022 Giants. We're calling it the Bulpy Awards. Woo, the Bulpies! And it is as cheap and as frivolous as most of that bullpen. So, <laughs> uh, so look for that on Halloween. It's real and it's spooky. And then we'll be, we're going to basically do one a month until the spring training or the season starts. So try to capture all the news. So that's where you can look for our release schedule. And in the meantime, thanks for listening all season. Brady, thank you for joining us. And go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. Thanks for having me, guys.